0: As he was pondering over these things in his mind and his spirit, quickly Poseidon, the shaker of earth, stirred up a huge billow, terrible, dangerous, arching aloft, then drove it against him. As when a blustering wind so blows the dry chaff of a harvest piled in a heap as to scatter it out in every direction, so now the boat's great timbers were scattered about, but Odysseus, sitting astride one beam, went on as if riding on horseback stripping himself of the garments that noble Calypso had furnished. Quickly he fastened around his breast that scarf of the goddess, then plunged head first into the sea brine, spreading his arms out, ready and eager to swim. And a strong earth-shaker observed him. Angrily shaking his head, he said to himself in his spirit, Thus now wander the sea, while suffering many afflictions, till such time as you mingle with people beloved of heaven. Not even then, I imagine, will you make light of your troubles. So having spoken of him, he lashed up his fair-maned horses. Straightway to Aigai he came, where he has his glorious palace. Then other things were devised by Athena, the daughter of great Zeus. First, each wind of the others she bound from the ways it was blowing, laid her commands on them all to be quiet and rest in silence. Then she aroused the swift north wind and broke up the billows before him, so that among the Phaeacians, lovers of rowing, would mingle Zeus-descended Odysseus, avoiding his death and destruction. Thus two nights and two days he was wandering over the swollen billows, and many a time was his spirit expecting his ruin. But when the fair-haired morning had brought full light on the third day, finally then did the wind stop blowing, and straightway a windless calm fell over the sea, and he saw with a sharp glance forward, as on a great wave-swell he rose, he was close to the mainland. As most welcome appears to his children the life of a father who has been lying in sickness and suffering mighty afflictions, wasting away a long time, a malevolent spirit attacked him. Then an event most welcome, the gods free him from his evil. So most welcome the land and the woods now appeared to Odysseus. He swam eagerly onward to set his feet on the dry land. But when he was as far from the land as a man's shout carries, then he could hear the loud roar of the sea on the rocks and the sandbars, for the enormous breakers were crashing against the dry mainland, fearfully spewing, and it was all covered with foam from the sea brine. Here were no harbors to keep ships safe, no sheltering roadsteads, but there were headlands jutting, and crags, and immovable boulders. Then in Odysseus, The limbs and the heart inside him were loosened. Thus in his anguish he spoke to his own magnanimous spirit. Wretch that I am, since Zeus has accorded to me to behold this land unhoped for, and I by cleaving the gulf have attained it. But now nowhere appears a way out of the silvery sea brine, since here, off of the shore, there are sharp reefs, over them roaring billows are crashing and breaking. A smooth cliff rises beyond them, close to the shore is the sea too deep, I will never be able even to stand on both of my feet and escape from these evils. Leaving the water, I might be picked up and dashed by a mighty wave on a rock's rough edges. And then my attempt will be useless. Yet if I swim still farther along till perhaps I discover beaches that slant out into the breakers or safe sea havens, I am afraid that again may a storm wind seizing upon me carry me out on the fish thronged seaway heavily groaning, or that a god may arouse an enormous monster against me out of the sea where many are reared by renowned Amphitrite since I know I am odious to the renowned earth-shaker. As he was pondering over these things in his mind and his spirit, onto a headland jagged and rocky a great wave bore him. There his skin would have been stripped off, his bones have been shattered, had no thought been put in his mind by bright-eyed Athena. Quickly, with both of his hands, he clutched at a rock as he rushed by. Groaning, he held it until the enormous breaker had passed him, So he escaped that danger, but then, backflowing, the billow struck him as it rushed outward and hurled him afar in the seaway. As when a sea polypus gets dragged up out of its chamber, many small pebbles and sand stay clinging to each of its suckers. In like manner, as he was dragged from the rock, was the skin stripped off of his powerful hands, and the great wave covered and hid him. Then against fate unhappy Odysseus had come to destruction, had not cunning been given to him by bright-eyed Athena. He got clear of the surf that was spewing up onto the mainland. Swimming along outside, he looked toward land to discover beaches that slanted out into the breakers or safe sea havens. But when at last, as he swam, he came to the mouth of a river, fair in its flowing, it seemed to him then that place was the best one, smooth, unbroken by rocks, and protected as well from the storm winds. Then, as he felt it flowing, he uttered a prayer in his spirit. Hear me, Lord, whoever you are, for with many entreaties out of the sea I reach you, escaping the threats of Poseidon. Since any one among men who comes as a wanderer merits reverence even from gods, the immortals, as I have indeed now come to your stream and your knees to beseech you, for much have I suffered. But now, Lord, show mercy, for I as a supplicant claim it. So he spoke, and the God then at once stopped flowing and held his waves back, making it smooth in front of him. Quickly he brought him safe to the mouth of the river, and he bent both of his knees down, letting his strong hands fall, for his heart was subdued by the sea-brine. His whole body was swollen, and out of his mouth and his nostrils much sea-water was gushing, and there, both breathless and voiceless, he lay weak and unmoving. A terrible weariness held him. When he recovered his breath, and the strength came back to his spirit, finally then he untied from his body the scarf of the goddess— Into the river that flowed with the salt sea water he threw it. Back it was borne on the stream by a great wave. Hastily Aino took it into her hands, then turning away from the river he sank down in the reeds, and the grain-giving earth began kissing. Thus in his anguish he spoke to his own magnanimous spirit. Oh, what is this I suffer? What finally now will befall me? If for a miserable night I keep watch here by the river, surely the baneful frost and the nourishing dew may together quite overwhelm me, weak as I am, my spirit exhausted. Then also, toward morning, a cold breeze blows from the river. But if I climb farther up this slope to the shadowy woodland, then lie down in the dense growing shrubbery, even if I am spared by cold and exhaustion, and sweet sleep does come upon me, I much fear that I might be a victim and pray for the wild beasts. So as he pondered the matter, the best course seemed to be this one. He set forth for the woodland, and found it close to the water, by a conspicuous clearing, and there came upon two bushes, both from the same stock, growing, a wild olive tree and a tame one. These no watery breath of the blustering winds ever blew through, nor with its beams did the radiant sun ever strike to the bottom, nor did the rain penetrate them all of the way, for they were so thick, each twining its limbs with the other. Beneath them Odysseus crept, and at once with his hands he gathered together an ample pallet, for there an enormous abundance of leaves had collected, such as would furnish protection for two, nay, even for three men, in some season of storms, though harshly the weather was raging. Looking at it, he rejoiced, much-suffering noble Odysseus. He lay down in the middle and heaped up leaves all around him, as when somebody covers a brand in the black dying embers, far at the bounds of the fields, no other men, neighbors, are near him, Saving the seed of the fire, so he need not light it from elsewhere. So was Odysseus concealed in the foliage. Thereon Athena poured sleep down on his eyes, so that it might quickly relieve him from the exhaustion of labor, and covered his eyelids over.